I will be reading from the book of James. Page one, two, one, three. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings, trials and temptations. Consider it poor joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your face, faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances, out to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away, even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Thank you. So welcome uh, to Pitlockery Baptist Church. My name is David Barry. I'm the pastor of the church. Um, welcome to all our visitors, and Olivia, well done, Hen. It's quite scary looking at all of them, isn't it? I think I feel like I've got 30 minutes up here to go. <laughs> no, well done, and uh, it's encouraging. I just want to mention two brief things before um, we look at this text. Um, they have been up there in the notices at the beginning of the service and they'll be up at the end. But we have got baptism classes or conversations happening uh, beginning Monday the 6th of August at 7.30 at my home. So there are uh, two or three people who already, two people that I know of who've signed up, one person who um, is definitely going whether he likes it or not, but that's between me and him. 
and uh, one or two of us know who that is. Uh, so, and they'll last for three weeks. So that's baptism classes. Um, because there's going to be a baptism at Ladies Dell on Sunday the 25th of August at 12 o'clock. So that will be our worship service. And weather permitting, there will also be a, a barbecue at Ladies Dell. If there's issues about getting people there like Jesse, etc., we will make sure that happens. We might even hire a golf buggy again or something like that, if that's what it takes. Um, so that's Sunday the 25th of August. Um, and that's all I have to announce. Andrew, can I get that up there? Ah. Yeah, we're looking at the book of James, and we need Superman to help us, uh, which is not what is on my mind. James, we're going to look at James over nine weeks. Uh, there's been lots said about James. It's quite possibly one of the earliest books in the New Testament, but I'm not going to give you all these facts and figures about James. I'm just going to get stuck right in uh, to week one. Why uh, I've put, uh, in fact, in the weeks to come, I'm going to show a wee video, but because of time constraints today, um, that eight minutes showing the video explaining the book of James would probably take us well over and burn a few chickens in your ovens back at home. So, uh, Superman, he was my, that I can remember anyway, my, my first super action hero. Uh, the first one that, that just blew me away. Age six, Christopher Reeves, who is Superman? I couldn't tell you the name of the other guys who came after him. But in 1978, he flew onto our screens as Superman, and he received a BAFTA in recognition of his uh, acting performance. And if, if it's true, if I, I've thought about this many times. If I had superpowers, I think it would be to fly. I don't know what yours would be, but I'd quite like the power to fly like Superman. Minus the tights, but, but fly. <laughs> just think it would be wonderful, so I do. However, there's always been one stumbling block in every single one of the movies, and even in the comics, and the stumbling block I have with Superman is this, that no one sees through Clark Kent. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. He puts on a pair of glasses, and then no one is none the wiser, and that's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. His, his hair might be swiped back slightly, and that's always been my stumbling block, that people can't see through Clark Kent for who he is. And as we begin the book of James here in week one, it is my premise that perhaps the greatest power to bring about change in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ are trials. Trials that God graciously uses to bring about character transformation in our lives. It's also my contention that most Christians would endure trials if only they could recognize them, if only they could see through Clark Kent's disguise and see the trials for what they are. Then I believe that most Christians would endure such trials because of the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But for some reason, we seem unable at times, more often than not, to identify what we're going through at that moment when we've thrown the toys out the pram as in fact a trial 
is an opportunity for growth and for grace in our lives. For some reason, our situation has went too often all Clark Kent on us. And we run away from trials rather than embrace them only to find because we've not embraced the trial and overcome in the power of Christ that we have to face that trial again and again and again. So that's what I'm wanting to look at this morning. Um, it was interesting as we were praying, we meet to pray 10 o'clock just through there every single Sunday, just in case you didn't know that. And as we were praying in there, one of the guys read out, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And then they just went on very briefly to say, what does that mean? <laughs> How can you get beyond that? It's a tricky uh, statement to start off with. But that's where we're going to go. We're going to get stuck right in there. I think I was meant to do that. <laughs> and I think I was meant to do that. And I'll try and keep up with my slides as I go on. All of the stuff's up there. I'm not going to hide anything so that if it takes time for you to read and, and digest, then it's there for you to read and digest. And I'll just keep on going uh, as, as we go on. If a group of militant atheists broke in here, they wouldn't have to break in very much, if they opened those doors and came in and they tied us up, you know, uh, they, they basically brought fear and trepidation into this place and they did their best to force us to reject Christ as our Savior and Lord, every single one of us in here would say, we're in a trial, wouldn't we? It would be obvious, and we could see it in that context as a trial, as violence, you know, we're out of comfort zone, and we feel scared. Well, the problem is that trials don't often come like that. They're not often wrapped up in this nice heavenly bow. Come, you know, it doesn't appear to us with wonderful music, and, and maybe we can see it coming they're often in everyday life. And that's what James says there in verse 2. He, he talks about trials of many kinds. The first type of trial of, of many kinds is the trial of the, the queue at the co-op. Where, where you go and... Oh, the car park. Yeah, once you get by the trial of the car park and then you come back out of the trial of the queue and find out there's another trial when somebody's bashed the side of your car. So you've got all of those trials. But when I was thinking about I like, I hate queuing. My wife's even worse and, and she's very good at dodging queues. But I'm rubbish at dodging queues because I will look at a queue thinking there's only two people there. But it, it turns out that there's a wee woman in the front and she's paying by pennies. And, and, and you know, so... More often than not, trials are everyday experiences that you and I experience. I had a trial last week. I've not spoken to anyone about this. I worshipped at my daughter's church just shy of Cardiff, a church which is in an old bakery. It's in an industrial estate. Um, it's a wonderful cafe when you go in, donuts, coffee, all of that. That was no trial at all. And, but then we're told, worship starting and you go in and it's a darkened room completely blacked out except for lots of lights and a countdown on the screen and, and I, I knew what was going to happen Eden prepared me for this but basically I'm about three or four rows from the front two rows from the front the pastor's there and, and there's was, there was lots of generations there this was not by any 
stretch of imagination as a young people's church. But right away, it was a full-blown blown band. The drummers behind the screen, um, and it was, it was the sort of worship that was like that. And I'm like that, thinking, worship David, worship David. Don't analyze, worship, join in. You don't know the song, keep the beat. But it was a trial, um, because I wasn't used to it. But can I tell you, it was worship. And I, I saw my daughter bouncing up and down, and I saw wee kids, and I saw women, I don't want to guess their age, but they were pensioners, <laughs> who likewise were just worshiping the Lord with songs that I would think, oh, I don't think that would work in PBC. But it was just trial. I could have went from there and had a critical spirit and missed completely what the Lord had to say to me because I was just chewing over what that worship leader and what that pastor had generated in some form of, of service. But I didn't. I, I sought for what it was, and I worshiped. And that's what I'm trying to say. Paul, uh, Paul, James, Paul probably says as well, but James is saying our trials, more often than not, are quite normal every day, beginning from when you wake up, and they don't necessarily come in some sort of heavenly gift wrap shape that you can identify it, or as extreme as militant atheists coming in to force us to recant our faith in Christ Jesus. And because they're every day in that, and and we sometimes think that they're random, but I don't think our trials and tribulations are random. I believe that somehow they're ordained by God. And we'll look at why coming up. So they're not mistakes. Sometimes we bring them on ourselves. If we don't face up to trials, we're going to face them again. They're not going to go away. If we believe that the Lord is using those trials and tribulations to bring about Christ's transformation in our lives. But they're quite normal and every day. But also, there's a second form of trials. And these are what I would call more diabolical. And these are actual temptations or avert seduction by Satan to sin. When Christ was stepping into his ministry after he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in the River Jordan, the Lord, the Spirit, led him into the wilderness where the evil one tempted him, put him in trials and temptations. So if it's good enough for Christ, it will happen to us. And so there are occasions when our trials are like that. I believe human sexuality is good. In Genesis 1, 27 and 31, it, it reads this. So God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. But when our human sexuality is freed up, freed up by our feelings, our desires, or our whims, and they're able to burst our riverbanks, which God has created to channel it in the appropriate way, our human sexuality can be seduced by lust and produce chaos, incredible chaos, such as extramarital affairs, addiction to pornography, or changing our gender left, right, and center, depending on which way the wind is, 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 is blowing. These are diabolical things and these are trials of many kinds that I think James would speak about here. So don't look for the trials to drop out of heaven, 
typically, God will use the existing furniture in our lives, the existing things that we are going through. But in all of this, in one way or another, James unpacks certain types of trials and temptations that get in our way. And I've listed them there for you. You will see and you will read in verses 5 through to 8 that he is talking about disregarding God's perspective on trials and circumstances. You just disregard them and you're blown about. You become double-minded. There is, a, there is a temptation for us to be double-minded as we walk with the Lord, as we figure out and discern what is happening in our lives. There is a temptation to be double-minded rather than focused on Jesus being the center. And then you, you can read that at your own time. You, you will see in verses 9 to 11, we can look around and wish that we were as well off as the rich. If I was to add a word to that, it would be that we would be coveting. There is a trial and a temptation to covet. There is a trial before us. If we allow the trial itself to turn into a temptation by not trusting God, 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 why have you allowed this to happen? Where are you, God? Um, I thought you were a good God, etc., etc., etc. That is an immature understanding of the gospel is an immature understanding of who God is. It is an immature understanding of knowing our adopted rights of, as heirs and co-heirs with Christ. And finally, in 16 to 18, there's a trial in believing that trials are actually good. And therefore, God isn't good. I've heard often, more often than not, people saying, this trial is a blessing. And although they may be good that comes out of it, I would never call a trial of an illness a blessing. I just don't see it that way because I don't believe God created us to endure illness and sickness and cancer and whatever it may be. But there can be blessing in it, but it, the, the trial itself is not a blessing. So we need to watch that our, our beliefs were not deceived in our beliefs. And the outcome of all of this and how we understand what trials are and how we perceive them, and how we perceive God, is because they come in all colors and shapes and all sizes, we'll either have good belief and good behavior or wrong belief and wrong behavior. But do you know what? Because at times we feel we're up to our eyeballs in trials and temptations, sometimes we just we're just so up to our eyeballs that we're just surviving. And to discern and to understand what's going on is beyond us. And I believe in that place, God's grace is even more sufficient for us. But let's get to the very tricky part. Pure joy, and I'm going to do this quite quickly because it all feeds into this understanding of what pure joy is. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers or sisters, obviously, whenever you face trials. Now, I don't think that that's what it means to have pure joy and joy in trials. Is it working? It is. I don't believe as Christians, if we are going through sickness or unemployment or a breakup in relationship, that we should be just walking up about singing, I'm H-A-P-P-Y, I'm H-A-P-P-Y. I know I am. I'm sure I am. I'm H-A-P-P-Y. That is just so far removed from the truth. 
So don't, I don't even think James is thinking that his believers, and they were going through great poverty in the church at Jerusalem at this time. Remember, Paul did a huge collection of all the other churches to take back to the church in Jerusalem, where James, who was a half-brother of Jesus, was the leader of the church. And so he was in charge of a church that was poor. And so he didn't expect them to go about celebrating the fact that they were poor and saying, whoo, you know, I've not got two threepennies to rub together, whatever. No, I don't believe that is the case at all. The definition of, of joy is not chipper or perky, but sometimes we can be successful in during trials, but actually we feel a failure because we don't feel happy and we shouldn't be in that place. Joy is a state of contentment, even freedom within the constraining circumstances that we find ourselves in. We can experience this within the course of a trial when we see that it has been allowed by God, even brought on by God somehow. When we see that it's actually for our good and actually it is a sign of God's approval of us. You will experience discipline as sons and daughters of the, the Lord God Most High. As He continues the work He has begun in you to bring about this beautiful bride of Christ at the end of time, the church which is presented to the Savior Jesus. That is us. And as I look at you, and as you look at me, we know we've got a long way to go. And therefore, before us, we've got many trials and temptations. God ordained trials and temptations to bring about Christ-likeness in our lives. So how do trials do me good? And why have I put up a communist newspaper on the screen. The Daily Worker, which I think became the Daily Star. I've got images of Glasgow of guys standing at the Helaman's Corner at, or the Boots Corner at Glasgow selling the, 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 was it called the Eastern Star or the, the Red Star, I think it was called. But here is a little bit of history for you in the early 20th century. New recruits to the Communist Party in Great Britain were given a whole satchel of uh, the Daily Worker newspapers and they were told to go on a street corner and to sell them and only come back when they had sold every single one of them. So you can imagine the dog's abuse that they were getting of these commies selling the newspapers in the streets of Glasgow. And I, I saw it every now and then. Although I must admit, the people selling the Red Star in Glasgow, I wouldn't have taken them on. They looked ferocious people. But but you can imagine the perseverance that that developed in those new recruits, those new communists. They were committed to it because they had endured all the persecution on the street, eh, selling it. They were in it, therefore, for the long haul. Well, we are, James says, be mature and complete and not lacking anything. We were all new Christians once, wet behind the ears, the world was our oyster, but our faith was immature. It was genuine. Faith was absolutely genuine, but it was not tried and tested. It was still immature. 
and those of us who are long enough, who have followed Jesus for long enough, we know that we've been through a lot, and our faith has changed. Our character has changed simply because God is doing something in us. So, if you're a person who does not like change, and you follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as His disciple, God bless you. Because truly, that is the life we've been called into. Change and constant change. In churches, we are notorious for settling for a way of doing things. Actually, we're going to be changing the format of the service from next week, I think. So the kids are all going to be with us at the beginning, go out and then join us at the end. That's not going to shake the world or the planet, but it just is to mix it up a little bit. But there are lots of other ways in our lives where we've experienced change and we've grown and we've developed, we've embraced it. And if we haven't grown and developed or embraced it, God will continue to bring those things before us until we relent and acknowledge that He is Lord in our lives and it is not us. And that really is about the, the heat of the trials of having things burnt up, of purifying gold where all the dross comes up to the top and then is skimmed off, leaving something that is of worth and of use. And so we are going to face heat in our lives, sometimes by our own bad decisions and other times because the Lord is leading us in that way. So character can become like the character of Christ. So watch out if you're someone who you know who you suffer from a bad temper. Because, as I know, I know that myself all too well, because the Lord won't allow us to settle in our bad temper. Or if you suffer from depression, because the Lord will not allow us to settle in that depressive state. Or if you are a gossip, and I'm sticking here with bog standard stuff that we all suffer with. If you're a gossip, be aware that the Lord has got a lot of things in Scripture to say about gossip not inheriting the kingdom of heaven, etc., etc., etc. Why is he doing all of this? Because he wants to purify us in the fire to become more in the likeness of his son. And it, like I says earlier on, it's not just... Um, it's not just a bad uh, behavior, but it's also beliefs. And I want to read that, which I think is, is actually the heart of this wee passage. It's not that bit that we stumble at at the beginning, consider it pure joy. But I think these two verses in this small part at the beginning of James is the heart of this passage. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of all creation. So if God does bring about these things, he does it for our good. If we find that we... Look at Les and Elaine. Les has had Parkinson's and cancer and has been suffering with incredible grace and has been a witness to many of us. And Elaine goes to visit her son who is dying of cancer also and she falls down the stairs. She's had terrible illnesses for years. She's fallen down the stairs and broken her spine and her pelvis and all sorts of things. And if you go and ask for the testimony of Elaine Brown, you will not hear her complain, but you'll hear her speaking 
of the gracious, loving kindness of her Lord. In fact, she wrote to us, but she was writing to the Lord. And she says, thank you, Lord, for your love and care. It is touching us deeply. Every day, Lord, you bless us through the church. The cards have reached London and Dundee, and we've got them here. And as a response, even though we would consider she should not be enduring that, but God is sovereign, He is in control. And however you word it, whether you say He has allowed it to happen, orchestrated it, or whatever, God is in that situation. And Elaine, in response to that with her husband, Les, who can barely speak now, says, and we pray to you for the church. That's incredible. That's testing. That's an example to us all. So why do I need trials? Well, trials produce spiritual maturity, which is why they're a blessing. Not to be excited about and say, oh, it's all great, it's all good, but they produce blessing in us. James describes a progression where trials produce perseverance and perseverance produces maturity in us. The goal of trials is not to make us more persevering, like to have a a higher pain threshold. That is not the goal. To be able to grit our teeth and just go on with it and say, I'm persevering, I'm persevering, I'm persevering. No. Rather, perseverance is the vehicle by which we get to the goal which is maturity and character and maturity in faith. And we say with the Apostle Paul, I have not reached that yet, but I strain towards that goal. So how do I know that trials aren't random circumstances? Because our Father is unchanging in His love for us and from Him flow every good and perfect gift. How do I know my trials are in punishment dispensed in His anger? Because God, our Father, is unchanging in His love for us and from Him flow every good and perfect gift. And how do I know that God isn't tempting me to sin? Because our Father is unchanging in His love for us and from Him flow every good and perfect gift. And so from James 1, here's what we know about God in the midst of our trials. He is intentionally involved because he is sovereign. He is not passively involved. He is generous and he is not angry with us. He will exalt the humble and not play favorites. He will reward with the crown of life those who persevere. And ultimately, as believers, we are now and forever the objects of his love in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Shall we pray together? I am convinced that there are many of us just now in this uh, gathering who feel a weight a burden that, that they know is not from the Lord, but is just a, a consequence of life experiences. And to those people, I would pray, uh, 
reach out to the Lord and ask him to be the one who redeems and who saves your, you and your situation. And there are those of us in here just now who've been stubborn at the worst and maybe at best just not being able to handle situations in life which have been trials and feel burdened with the constant repetitive asking of forgiveness or even acknowledging that there is such a thing as a burden in our shoulders, a trial that we've just not been able to get past. Therefore, at this point, I would pray that you reach out to the Lord and know that He is good and His love endures forever and ask Him to lift that which you are just unable to do yourself. Father, I pray in the name of your Son that you would come quickly to those who have prayed such prayers and that they would see that you have come quickly, that they would know and experience deep within their soul your love and that you, you call them beloved and that you are for them and that you're not against them. And that, Father, that you would provide, just as you have provided a blessing to Les and Elaine through your church family here and further afield, I pray for those people here who are burdened with heavy loads, that you would provide others who would come alongside by the direction of your Spirit to lighten their load. I thank you, Jesus, that you say, come to me, all of those who are weary and, and heavy laden who are burdened and if Lord Jesus you say come and be yoked with me journey with me, walk with me and I thank you Lord Jesus that you direct us straight not in a zigzag line and that you take more of the weight especially when we are uh, burdened so I pray that we would learn increasingly in the days ahead to walk and sync with you by your spirit not racing ahead or dragging behind. And that, Father, you'd lead us in life eternal. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not in your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will make straight your path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.